Prepare yourself for Earthling Entertainment with your hosts, Joe and Ryan. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Earthling Entertainment with your hosts, Joe and Ryan. I'm Joe. I'm Ryan. Yes, and this is our show. Here at Earthling Entertainment, we do a little bit of the spooky, a little bit of the creepy, a little bit of the haunted, a little bit of the aliens. Then the other half of the show is dedicated to everything entertainment, whether it be movies, music, video games, what have you. And we're glad to have you guys here and listening to our show. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. So, Ryan, uh, how was your weekend? You uh, you had the boys. You did some Christmas stuff, right? Yeah, we went up to the UAW hall around here, and uh, they had Santa Claus there. Makes and, sense. And it was the my my three year old. Uh, he he looks up and he sees Santa, and he's just like, oh my gosh! So he's like playing like the hide behind the chair game, you know, looking at him. Like yeah, because he's he's a famous person to a three year old man. That's so, like seeing Jagger. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Totally. It, it, yeah, that'd be like me seeing. I don't know Osborne. why. Yeah, I don't know why I picked Jagger. Like <laughs> honestly, that is not of my generation. I was gonna say, yeah, I'm not a Jagger guy. But yeah. uh, hold on, I, on, who would my person be? Okay, who would I be excited to see? Something Kevin, very Kevin Smith. Something very nerdy. Yeah, Kevin Smith, totally. Kane Hodder, the guy who played uh, Jason Voorhees. That'd be good. All uh, right. Anyways. Anyways. He, yeah, uh, he's so a, so he's so he's yeah so he's checking out Santa. He's all geeking about it. So they had these coloring books on the table. So I flipped to this page where it's just like a big portrait of like you know like a cartoon santa head sure on there and like a know, mask like like just just like a like you know color them in a coloring book okay so yeah, i yeah. so i showed it to salem and up my my three-year-old and i'm like dude is that santa is that santa so he takes it from me and he holds up the, the page he holds up the the the, 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 drawing. the drawing yeah and yeah, yeah. He, and he's comparing he, it yes and then he like looks over at santa then he looks at the picture then he looks over at santa He's like, hmm. All right, Dad, I think uh, this checks out. Dude, it was it was adorable. That's it kind of adorable. amazing, right? But He's no, figuring stuff out. It was it was so cute to see that. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time there. They got their faces painted, ate some ice cream, you know, good stuff. Good. And then the Lions won. That was excellent. Excellent, yeah. Not, I'm not a sports guy at all, but for everybody who's a Lions fan, congratulations on the fact that we're winning. Like, doing better than we have since, like, what, the 60s, the 50s? It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, you know what? I think it's funny because sports is the only reason why uh, my stepfather and a lot of people I know keep cable because most of the things they watch are all on streaming sites. So like, you know, cut the cord, no longer have cable. But nope, it's because football. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like yeah. you got to watch it on TV, man, because I mean, I think there's an ESPN uh, streaming site. I'm sure there's a sports streaming site, but it's ludicrously expensive for something that you could just get for free. When you already have cable, which is, you know, the position that they're in. So I just I figure when sports finally make the transition to like going to a a certain streaming site and that's the only place you can get I it, then ca- cable one. will finally die. I want to say EA is talking about doing its own streaming service soon. The video game company? Uh, but EA Sports is EA Games. Uh, it was it's originally a sports company. But it's still video games, right? Right. But the sport it was a sports company first and they bought. Uh, the whatever company they bought out and called it EA Games. My God, I actually okay, fair enough. I don't really like EA Games, man. They always EA micro games. They always have too many microtransactions and such. That's and that's the joke about it. And I guess that was always, I think, you know, because think, you know, it was like the nerds versus the jocks. Of course, all the nerds were like, "Why is this football company buying games and now they're fucking it all up?" Well, they kind of did. I mean, with the exception of uh, Jedi Survivor and uh, Jedi Fallen Order, they, yeah, they haven't really good. done too many. I haven't good played Survivor Star Wars. yet. 
fair enough. It's it's the exact same thing. It's the sequel. It's good. If you like the first one, you're gonna love it. Right. Like Prince of Persia meets like Assassin's Creed style fighting. Like dodge, dodge, parry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a normal video game. Yeah. All right, guys. So today uh, we're going to start out our spooky stuff with a creepy story about Skeleton Lake. We'll talk more about that. And then Ryan has a new segment that's going to just pop up periodically, which is Ryan's uh, Disclosure Discussion. Yes. And that's going to focus on alien disclosure in the news, things that are officially on record. Let it be, whether you think it's the truth or not, you know, it's up to you. We'll discuss our feelings, but the whole point is this: these are things that have been reported on the record. The era of disclosure is here, and let's all bask in its wonderful glory. And, and there's so much to cover, so yeah, I'm just going to do a one, one thing at a time. All right, then we have, um, whoop, now they're dead, which yeah. is where we say goodbye to our celebrity or entertainment uh, people who are past and no longer with us. And then we have headlines, which we usually cover four headlines, just something fun in the news that we think is really great in the entertainment industry. Keep in mind, we're not covering world events here. We're not covering controversy. We're not doing any of that. Okay, but you people, this is our place to enjoy fun, spooky, nerd. It's escapism. So, you know, don't expect us to cover um, an, inv- an unfortunate tragedy or something like that. Earthling entertainment is for all. Yes, no matter what. All Earthlings. One of us. One of us. <laughs> one way out. One, oh, sorry. All right, yeah. Anyways, so we're going to jump into our first segment, which is, of course, spooky stuff. Skeleton Lake. High in the Indian Himalayas, a remote lake nestled in a snowy valley is filled with hundreds of human skeletons. Rupkin Lake is located 5,029 meters, uh, approximately 16,500 feet, above sea level at the bottom of the steep slope of Trisul, one of India's highest mountains. In the state of Uttarakhand, the skeletons were discovered by patrolling British Forest Ranger in 1942, ever since Rupkin Lake has been known to many as Skeleton Lake. Skeleton Lake. <gasps> oh no! Dun, dun. Depending on the season <laughs> and weather, the lake, which remains frozen for the most of the year, expands and shrinks. Only, only when the snow melts are the skeletons visible. What? <laughs> Sometimes with flesh attached and well preserved. Which makes sense, right? It's up in the Andes, you know, that's going to be very cold. So, you know, it's a refrigerated person. It makes yes. sense. Yeah, I get it. Uh, to date, <laughs> uh, the skeletal remains of an estimated 500 people have been found here. In tourism promotions, the local government describes it as a mystery. <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't know what happened to those people. Uh, don't, don't worry about it. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Move along. For more than half a century, anthropologists and scientists have studied the remains and puzzled over a host of questions. Who were these people? When did they die? How did they die? Where did they come from? One old theory associates the remains to an Indian king, his wife, and their attendants, all of whom perished in a blizzard some 870 years ago. 
Yeah, so that's a fun story, right? I mean, that makes sense. So that would be why everybody would die at once by this lake. But the the plot thickens if we keep going here. Uh, another suggests that some of the remains are of Indian soldiers who tried to invade Tibet in 1841 and were beaten back. More than 70 of them were forced to find their way home over the Himalayas and died on the way. Another possible theory. Another possible. That's a that's a horrible way to go. I, I do not want to freeze to death. Yeah, well, especially marching back from defeat because you're already feeling low. So morale's morale's down, right? You know, you got your ass kicked. You got and you're marching back home and you're really cold. Yeah, that's that's a bad recipe, man. Hey guys, like I don't really want to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm gonna go ahead and say that this really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a similar story that the skeletons are of a Japanese invasion force. During World War II, Great Britain was still in control of India. This is why some theorize that the Japanese were attacking India as a way to strike against Great Britain. Unfortunately, this theory has little to support it due to the fact that the skeletons in question don't appear to have early 20th century clothing or weapons. Although, to be fair, all of the items found among the uh, skeletons point to different eras across human history, so no help there. Yeah, so, I mean, that kind of throws out a few things. So the, the Indian queen and uh, king and their, their people, that would all be similar artifacts, right? Same with, uh, same with the invasion force that would went and attacked Tibet. So, I mean, if it's all different kinds of things, that can't be one big event. It's got to be... What if it happened multiple times, like, over and over? Like, that's, like, one spot where, like, like there are these aliens who, like, just were like, okay, we're going to leave them all alone. But if they cross this spot right here, bam! Yeah, yeah. Like we <laughs> claim this sacred lake, and you know, you got it's like the uh, the Garden of Eden with the forbidden fruit. Like you could eat whatever fruit you want, but don't eat off this one tree. It's like you guys are not allowed to piss in this lake. This lake is our holy alien lake, and you know what? Don't pee in the lake. I'm gonna pee in the lake. Nope. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm, I'm gonna do it. You're not gonna like it if you go pee in that lake. I, I'm gonna pee in the lake. So, you know, obviously that, it's about how that conversation went. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I think at I the end there. of at the end of the day, that that is that is a creepy thing. I'm sorry, I lost track of what we were saying. Go on, go on to the next article. That was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> if you gotta go, don't be a fake and don't go piss into this lake. All right. Uh... Yet another story <laughs> claims that this could have been a cemetery where victims of an epidemic were buried. The bodies were essentially quarantined in the lake to stop the spread of disease. One can surmise that local legends must have emerged to uh, warn slash scare children and other curious travelers from entering the area. Uh, we we could have done this in COVID. You yeah, know, that makes sense. I mean, they just kept tossing lake. people over there. In, into the lake. Yep. <laughs> in, into the lake. They're like, I just got a cold. Nope, no, go to the lake. He's feverish. Into the lake. Greg. We told you if you sneeze in my house, we are sending you to the lake. Hey, six fucking feet. <laughs> in the surrounding villages, there's a popular folk song that talks about how goddess uh, Nanda Dabi uh, created hailstorm as hard as iron, which killed people winding their way past the lake. Could this be where all the skeletons came from? An angry goddess smashing in the heads of those who have displeased her? I mean, I think so. Interestingly, some of the skulls do show damage to the top of the head. Damage that never healed, indicating 
the injury was fatal. Okay, but, you know, the thing is, is that some skulls, right? So if everyone had these cracks, maybe, but that can't account for all of them because they all don't have that. It's like, well, Jerry was just a pussy. We, we punched him and he died. But, I mean, that would suck, though. Can you imagine being in, the, like, a giant hailstorm and, like, that's how you go? Like, you never saw that coming. You just get hit with, like, a bowling ball size ice cube. Be like, really? I was just trying to walk to the market. Ugh. Like, this is some bowls. Like, dude, why weren't we born in 2023 where we could just, you know, make a podcast about this? Like, those <laughs> poor souls had to actually walk through the tundra and... This is terrible. Sorry, this sounds horrible to me. I'm so glad I was born when I was born. Walking through the tundra. Walking through the tundra. Oh, he turned off the autotune. Okay, okay anyways. No, go ahead. I want to sing. Because, yeah, we got we got autotune now, guys. So we're officially, you know, we're, we're getting some tech. All right, yeah, I apologize. I'll quit pressing the buttons. That, oh. Hold on. We have a new device. I apologize. Yeah, we have a new device, and we're trying to figure it out as we go, and I'll admit it might be a bit distracting. So I'm done for a while. We can finish this article. I'm sorry. We're having fun with it. <laughs> uh, earlier studies of skeletons have found that most of the people who died were tall, more than average stature. Uh, most of them were middle-aged adults, aged between 35 and 40. Wouldn't that be old for back then? But, I mean, yeah. yeah but, but there were a few babies and children. Uh, some were even elderly women. All appear to have been in reasonably good health. Except for the cracks in their skulls from the it, giant ice cubes. And the whole being mummified and shit. All right. Originally, <laughs> it was assumed that the skeletons were a single group of people who died all at once in a single catastrophic event in uh, during the ninth century. Although the latest five-year-long study involving 28 co-authors from 16 institutions based in India, U.S., and Germany found all these assumptions may not be true. In 2019, <laughs> in 2019, scientists genetically analyzed and carbon dated the remains of 38 bodies found at the lake. Some of them date back to 1,200 years. Amazingly, the dead were both genetically diverse and their deaths were separate in time by as much as 1,000 years. Yeah, right? So, you know, I was thinking that maybe this is just like the exit for a portal or something like that. I know it sounds weird, but it's happened before. In the show Lost, there is the exit in the Siberian desert. And if you leave the island, no matter what, you you end up in that Siberian island. And uh, I mean, you end up in Siberia desert. So that's one example. But there's other examples. Poltergeist does it too. You know, randomly the exit was in the ceiling, I believe. There's a bunch of different things. But I'm just saying, if people got from all over the world and all over time get fall into traps or like you know portals or just energy waves maybe it's the bermuda triangle maybe it could be i'm just saying maybe this is the exit it sounds silly and it totally is but that would explain why they just all appear in this one area it's just god with a magnifying glass like just this spot <laughs> well you know what we could go a little bit more we could do what you want we could do aliens and maybe after people get abducted every once in a while they get taken and they're just they're gone too long Right, so they're like, "Fuck, we can't put them back." I just drop them off at the lake. <laughs> they're just like, "Shit, we kept this one for a hundred years. We can't just drop them off." And then that would certainly deter anybody from wanting to go near it. It's yep. like it's like a real life. What is it? The dead marshes from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like that's fucking terrifying. Don't go to the lights. Don't look into the lights. Like, dude, fuck that. That that part scared the shit out of me when I read it. 
Yeah, it is. Like, it is it, definitely actually, that part was scary in the book. So maybe the skeleton lake is like the dead marshes, man. And yeah. and you know what? Forget my first theory of it being an exit. I liked it, but I also like the aliens just dropping people off, and then this is where they do it. Because you got to do it somewhere up in the Himalayas. No one will find him. No big deal. But just drop him off there. Yes. And then <laughs> and then we will rendezvous for cocktails. Ha ha! Aliens. High five. High five. These humans. <laughs> They may be silly, but they make a great cocktail. This eliminates any explanations that involve a single catastrophic event that led to their deaths. It is not clear what happened at Rootkin Lake, but we can now be certain that the deaths of these individuals cannot be explained by a single event. And that comes from uh, Eden Harney, the uh, project researcher. Yes, I think she's the lead project researcher. Uh, cool Irish name I've never heard before. Uh, had to look up how to pronounce that. <laughs> the uh, genetic study found the dead comprised of uh, diverse people. One group of people had genetics similar to present-day people who live in South Asia, while the other closely related to people living in present-day Europe, uh, particularly those living in the Greek island of Crete. Oh man, Crete's its own set of like mystery and wonder. <laughs> I was gonna say I know that I, I know the name of Crete, but I, I can't like put a finger on it, but I want to say that's like a lot of lore comes from there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Greek mythology has a lot of stuff. And then I, I could be long. I know it's about the bull in the maze. I think that was on Crete. Sounds about right. The Cenotaur. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was on Crete. Okay. Anyways. Continue. Anyways. Yeah. That's, that's for another episode. Uh, also the uh, people who came from South Asia do not appear to come from the same population. <laughs> They're on the other side of town. We don't like them. <laughs> uh, some of them have ancestry that would be more common in groups from the north of the subcontinent, while others have ancestry that would be more common from more southern groups, says Miss Harney. So basically, they are from all over the place and all over the world. So this, once again, supports the aliens fucking up, taking too long, and having to drop off the people to hide the evidence because it's going to mess up their, you know, count, their quota, and they don't want to get in trouble by their alien bosses. So they're like, hide the evidence. Totally makes sense. It's like when a box falls off a, a, a shipment. You know, that, oh, that Amazon package. We don't know what happened to that one. Like, yeah, you know, it fell off the back of a truck. Hey. But what, Mr. Johnson? Yeah, we put him back. You know we put him back. Don't be asking questions. He's back. You see him here? He's not here. He's got to be back then. What murder? (laughs) So did these diverse group of people uh, travel to the lake in smaller batches over a period of a few hundred years? Did some of them die during a single event? The lake is not located on a trade route. Genetic studies have found no evidence of the presence of any ancient bacterial pathogen that could provide disease as an explanation for the cause of deaths. Okay, right on. So no disease. Uh, shit. I mean, you do see degradation in the body and the bones and stuff like that, so they would be able to tell. That's really interesting. Because that would be, that was, to, before we just read that, that was the most plausible in my mind. Like, because the actual idea of them you know, hey, go over there because you're sick to avoid a plague. That made sense to me, but I guess, yeah, I guess that's not the case. What if it was, like, human sacrifice from, like, a religion that, like, survived for a long time and it's only, like, one person for every year or whatever, so it's, like, over time it just accumulated and that's why it... Yeah, well, I mean, that would uh, that would explain a lot, except the people from Europe and Crete. Yeah, you know? yeah, I mean, that, totally... that's still an issue. So weird, so weird. This is a crazy story. Uh... 
where did I leave off? Uh, a pilgrimage that passes by the lake might explain why people were traveling in the area. Studies reveal that uh, credible accounts of pilgrimage in the area do not appear until the late 19th century, but inscriptions in local temples date between 8th and 10th centuries, suggesting uh, potential earlier origins. Uh, that's why some scientists believe that the bodies found at the site uh, happened because of a mass death during a pilgrimage event. But how did people from the eastern Mediterranean land up at the remote lake in India's highest mountains? It seems unlikely that people from Europe would have traveled all the way from Rupkin to participate in the Hindu pilgrimage. Yeah, I mean, the Beatles did it, but that was the 60s. <laughs> or what? Or And there was a lot of LSD involved. Yeah, uh, or well, maybe the people on Crete, that would explain a lot about the weird shit they saw on Crete. I mean, I'm sure they had mushrooms. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but continue. I, I just believe that like all ancient cultures had mushrooms for some reason. I could be wrong. I don't see a reason to fight you on that. Sure, why not? It's all possible, man. <laughs> or was it a genetically isolated population of people from distant eastern uh, Mediterranean ancestry that had been living in the region for many generations? We are still searching for answers, says Eden Hardy, the project researcher. Uh, Skeleton Lake is one of the rare examples where the more research that is done, the more questions emerge. Maybe someday we'll know the truth. However, for right now, Skeleton Lake remains one of India's most intriguing mysteries. That's right. Well, I don't know what to say, man. That is a creepy thing. And, you know, it says the tourism board. So can you visit this lake? Like, can you, uh, can you actually, uh, you know, go there and see it? We should look that up. Because, you know, earlier in the article, they're like, tourism, they're like, yeah, they call it a mystery. Do you think you'd helicopter? Do you think you march up there? I don't know. Do you want to see it? I'm not that kind of person where I'm going to be going up on mountains and stuff. Oh, so, okay. See, that's that's India. where you draw the line. You're yeah. not you're not like I don't want to see a bunch of desecrated bodies. You're like I don't want to walk up the damn hill. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. So yeah, if there was like a chopper involved, I'd go. All right, that's yeah. still cool. Yeah, I would because that would be crazy to see. Oh man. Well, guys, that was it for this week's spooky stuff. And uh, get ready for the next part. Ryan's disclosure discussion. UFO hearing key takeaways. What a whistleblower told Congress about UAPs. This comes to us from CBS News. A formerly military intelligence officer turned whistleblower told House lawmakers that Congress is being kept in the dark from unidentified anomalous phenomena known as UAPs or UFOs. Alleging at a hearing that executive branch agencies have withheld information about the mysterious objects for years. David Grush, who served for 14 years as an intelligence officer in the, U uh, in the U.S. Air Force and National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, appeared before the House Oversight Committee's National Security Subcommittee alongside two former fighter pilots who had first-hand experience with UAPs. All right, so the point is these are reputable people. They're, they're there, you know, they were a part of it. 
So, you know, it's not just like some guy named Jim Bob from a trailer. No, and that's, I mean, it, it, I'll, I'll get to it at the end, but yeah, it, it's like we get a lot of good, credible stories. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. All, All right, right. Well, I don't mean to interrupt. Continue. No, sir. not at all. Not at all. Uh, Grush served as a representative on two Pentagon task forces investigating UAPs until earlier this year. He told lawmakers that he was informed of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program during the course of his work examining classified programs. He said he was denied access to to those programs when he requested it and accused the military of misappropriating funds to shield these operations from congressional oversight. I mean, these, this is the same old story. We've heard this forever that, you know, there's a secret, a secret budget, a secret program to, de, you know, to basically figure out alien technology. Yeah. Reverse engineer it. You know, that's where we got Velcro. Right. <laughs> I'm just I saying. Li- I like it. He, he later uh, said he had interviewed officials who had direct knowledge of aircraft with non-human origins and that so-called biologics were recovered from the craft bodies members of both parties questioned how congress should go about investigating the remarkable allegations a reflection of the increasingly willingness by lawmakers to demand the executive branch be more forthcoming about the phenomena uh we're going to uncover the cover-up and i hope this is just the beginning of many more hearings and many more people coming forward about this said rep tim burchett a republican from tennessee Cool, cool, cool. Uh, The UAP issue has gained widespread attention from Congress and the public in recent years with the release of several video recordings of the encounters, which typically show seemingly nondescript objects moving through the air at very high speeds with no apparent method of propulsion. Yeah, like the Tic Tac. Right, Tic Tac, the the Go Fast. Yeah, the Go Fast video is really crazy. I like the the Tic Tac is really fun because those are always just like, well, this isn't even aerodynamic. And the so way how rota- the hell is that flying? The way it rotates. Yeah. Like you see it rotate while, while it's moving. And what I love about the Go Fast is you listen to the pilot's discussion when they're like, woo, got it. And then you hear and then you hear them like, look at them. There's a whole fleet of them. Yeah. And that's what they said is we, we couldn't see is there was a ton of these. <sighs> that's crazy. I want to know, I mean, you just imagine seeing it through those guys' eyes. You know, because I want to believe them, man. So, that's insane. Uh, the, Pen- the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which Congress established to investigate the incidents, has investigated roughly 800 reports of UAP as of May. While military officials have said most cases have innocuous origins, many others remain unexplained. Lawmakers say the military knows more about the objects than it has disclosed to Congress. Sue Go, a spokesperson for AARO. Let's wait. What's that name? Sue Go? Sue Go. Okay, like S-U-G-O? So S-U-E, okay, Sue, Sue. And then her last name is G-O-U-G-H. Okay, for some reason in my head, it was like one word. So it's like Zugo. Zugo. Because I, I know Zuko from the Avatar show, I'm just saying. Oh, there, there you go, Zuko. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> so I said in a statement that the office has not discovered any ver- verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past 
or exists currently. That's so silly, though. It's like, we asked, and they said nope, so we took their word for it. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> Matt Damon. We went over, and we're like, hey, guys, do you have UFOs in your bunker? And they wouldn't let us in, but they assured us there was no UFOs. Now, no lying. You're telling the truth? They pinky swore, so we they, trust they, them. They, pink, oh, they pinky swore. Yeah. Okay, well, I believe it now. I guess we could stop talking about this. Well, it's about damn time. <laughs> she also said the department is committed to timely and thorough reporting to Congress. Yeah, sure. What, a wit- what the witnesses said at the UAP UFO hearing. In addition to Grutch, the panel heard a testimony from Ryan Graves, a former Navy pilot who has spoken about encountering UAPs on training missions, and uh, I know this guy, Commander David Fravor, who spotted a large object and captured its now famous Tic Tac video. Yeah, I love the Tic Tac during a flight off the coast of California in 2004. So, wow, that was a while ago. It took a while for that to get out. I mean, you know, they didn't even admit Roswell was a real place. I mean, Area 51 until, like, what, 40, 50 years later? We're all going to Naruto run into Area 51. (laughs) They can't stop us all. Ah, That was a funny moment. That was a funny moment in time, wasn't it? Dude, what a great, (laughs) it was amazing. I I love when I saw the video of, like, dudes on the military base Having to tr- in a in a training class showing what a Naruto run meant and like that and like, don't and, shoot them and it's literally him taking a picture of it and he put the like the caption is see what y'all memes did <laughs> <laughs> all three uh, all three witnesses said current reporting systems are inadequate to investigate UAP encounters and said a stigma still exists. For pilots and officials who press for more transparency about their experience. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy who's like, no, really, I saw an alien. Right. Yeah. They, uh, they it, tend to not work for very we're long. We're a lot further now. Like, thanks, I mean, yeah. Thanks to these guys sticking their neck out. <sighs> which they really are. Yeah, no, know? I know they are. I just... It's it's just it's still just a bunch of talk until I... You know, I it's better than it's ever been. I'm just... I'm waiting for... It just, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I'm frustrated with how long it's taking for people to be like, yeah, aliens are real. And I don't even care if it's like, give us the real answer, even if it's hard to understand. Even if it's like, no, they're, it's not interplanetary, <laughs> it's another dimension or something, or or it's us from the future. We just want to know. Yeah. I, I also like the Hollow Earth idea. Like, no, it's it's beings from the the ground, you know, you know inside Hollow Earth. Mole people. Yes. Mole people. Tastes like moles act like people. <laughs> oh, people. <laughs> By the way, if you want to hear an amazing, or not hear, see an amazing story about mole people, check out Bunkmates. It was my thesis project. It it's, was it was good. It's it's on YouTube. It's very easily found. Bunkmates, black and white, kind of like Twilight Zone. There's mole people. Doesn't Continue. cost a thing, and you'll enjoy it, I promise. Uh, Graves <laughs> was an F-18 pilot uh, stationed in Virginia Beach in 2014, when his squadron first began detecting unknown objects. He described them as dark gray or black cubes inside of a clear sphere. Wait, black cubes? It's the fucking Borg. The what? The Borg. What's the Borg? The Borg are from Star Trek, The Next Generation, and Voyager and all that stuff. They're the ones that assimilate people. Think of them as space robot zombies. Well, damn. Yeah, creepy. Well, then that's not good. Yeah, yeah. Just want to not want... Don't... No, 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 no
Uh, where where the apex or tips of the cubes were touching the inside of that sphere. He said a fellow pilot told him about one incident about 10 miles off the coast in which an object between 5 and 15 feet in diameter flew between two F-18s and came within 50 feet of the aircraft. He said there was no acknowledgement of the incident or way to report the encounter at that time. Can you imagine, though, you just, like, get off your plane and you're just like, did you guys see that? They're like, no, what are you talking about? See what? There's nothing there. You're crazy. They're like, oh, okay, they're going to gaslight me. I better, because you're right, there wasn't anything there. Okay, great, yeah. What's for lunch? It'd be a real shame, you know, if you were to say that, you know, because some things might disappear, you know what I'm saying? Hey, you know, people get into accidents all the time. We're going to start with your dog. Yeah, he's, a, what's his name? Because that's just a gut punch, man. It'd be like, if you lose Sparky, oof. I don't know if I can go on. You ever seen John Wick? <laughs> uh, uh, UAP encounters, he said, were not rare or isolated. If everyone could see the sensor and video data I witnessed, our national conversation would change, Graves says. I mean, I believe that, right? If we could see all the evidence, we probably would have a stronger opinion on it. And I've heard that the the, the go fast and the, uh, the other one was... Uh, Totally dumbed down. Yeah, like edited. Sure. I heard it was totally fuzzed down. That like uh, people who have actually seen it were like, it was clear as day in, in the video they saw. Like you could see details of the craft. So like we're still even in disclosure, we're still getting the shaft. Yeah, that's not surprising though. Uh, if uh, yeah, uh, I urge us to put aside stigma and address the security and safety issue this topic represents. If UAP are foreign drones. It is an urgent national security problem. Yeah, that's a good point, right? Like, hey, dude, even if it's not aliens, there's shit in the sky. We should we should be worried about that. This. We can't explain, and we these are our dudes in the sky. Like, like, yeah, they don't understand it. Yeah, I and mean, we freaked out because there's a balloon that flew over the country. So yeah. that was that was ridiculous. It uh, if it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, unidentified objects are a concern for flight safety. The American people deserve to know what is happening in our skies. It is long overdue. Grush served as the National Reconnaissance Office representative to the AARO and its predecessor task force. While he said he couldn't answer many questions about what he knew about classified programs in Wednesday's open hearing, Wednesday being this was back, I believe, in July, uh, he said he was hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead to a positive outcome of increased transparency. Fravor recounted his, uh, Commander David Fravor, the Tic Tac video, Fravor recounted his 2004 encounter with an object off the California coast. He told the subcommittee that he and another pilot spotted the smooth, seamless, oval-shaped object hovering over the water before it rapidly climbed about 12,000 feet in the air. It then accelerated and disappeared. It was detected roughly 60 miles away, less than a minute later. Braver returned to an aircraft carrier and mentioned the object to other pilots who were getting ready to take off, and they managed to get it on video. I think what we experienced was, like I said, well beyond the material science and the capabilities that we had at the time, that we have currently, or that we're going to have in the next 10 or 20 years. Yeah, he's really laying it on thick. He's like, no, guys. For real, 
fucking aliens. <laughs> I, I saw him talking on a podcast actually one time, and he was like, uh, I just wish I could fly one. He's like, man, I'd love to fly one. It looks like fun. Because he was just, it was so effing fast. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, uh, he's a pilot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. He was like, bro, I want to fly one. But like, can you imagine the maneuverability? Because they say that a lot of times these things make turns or sudden stops or go into the water. Anti-gravity. Yeah, it will, it would liquefy a human being with all the technology we know. Yeah. So they would have to have, like, inertial dampers in order to keep themselves from basically smashing into goo. Maverick could only do just over 10 Gs. And that was a movie. Can you imagine what really Tom Cruise can do? Tom if it Cru wasn't for these movies keeping him down, what the actual man could do? My God. <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Wednesday's <laughs> hearing took place amid a growing willingness by lawmakers to demand the military and intelligence agencies release more about what they know regarding the mysterious incidents. Uh, with many members of Congress citing the potential national security threat posed by unknown objects in or near U.S. airspace. A bipartisan group of senators led by Majority Leader Chuck Schumer introduced an amendment to the annual the, uh, defense spending bill currently making its way through Congress. The measure modeled off legislation aimed at revealing government records about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Wow, so we're going back here, man. Would require executive branch agencies to hand over UAP records to a review board with the presumption of immediate disclosure. Agencies would have to justify requests to keep records classified. A different House panel heard testimony from Pentagon officials at the first open hearing about the issue more than 50 years last summer. Uh, at Wednesday's hearing, lawmakers of both parties expressed anger about their inability to get information about UAPs from the military and intelligence agencies, describing a system of overclassification that shields reports from in of incidents from public view. We should have disclosure today. We should have disclosure tomorrow. The time has come, said uh, Democratic Rep. Jared Moskowitz of Florida. Hold on. What's that name? Moskowitz, not Mouskowitz. No, Moskowitz. it's Mouskowitz. <laughs> this is what happened to Fivel. Wiley burp. Oh my God! So Fivel turned into who is this? A senator? Yes, it's Mouskowitz. This is like the second week in a row I think that we've referenced Fivel. <laughs> Listen, it is a. It, I don't know. It's an American tale, Ryan. It's an American fucking tale. America, America. Uh, one last thing here. Uh. Several of us are going to look forward to getting some answers in a more confidential setting. I assume some legislation will come out of this, said Gov uh, GOP Rep. Glenn Grothman, the subcommittee's chairman. So what I have to say about this is, once again, all hearsay. All of it. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I believe Commander David Fraber always have, and uh, it, the, uh, the other pilot as well, I believe him as well, and stuff like that. To me, that doesn't count as hearsay. They were eyewitness. They were, I consider that an eyewitness. Well, then what do you mean as hearsay? Everything that David Grush brought, anytime anybody asked him any questions, he was still tiptoeing on eggshells, and it just bums me out. Like, everything, he was like, oh, I would be happy to uh, mention that off record, but I cannot talk about it right now. He well, to be fair, he's that. covering his ass, man. Can you imagine, yeah. like, like the government would just kill you? And I'm sure he was warned. <laughs> I'm sure he was probably given a list of, if you 
he probably met with lawyers and all this other stuff. I mean, everything he was going to say was probably submitted, right? Like they had to like go through and put the red lines through shit and be like, if you mention this, you're fucked. Yeah. So I get it. If you were expecting this guy to do the whole truth and like everything, then yeah, I could see it being disappointed. But like you said, this is the first time in history we're getting any acknowledgement of the phenomenon at all, where it's people are talking about it and it's not just like crazy Jim Bob from his trailer. Like I mentioned earlier, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. I am, you know, I'm super uh, stoked. Uh, you know, I, I, I encourage this man. Uh, and in a side note, I know this came out afterwards. A lot of things came out about his mental health because he did have a uh, pretty bad PTSD, but I really don't hold I don't that. Think, we can't I really stigmatize don't PTSD. Yeah, I, I know, and I'm not, uh, but I'm just saying it's been brought to the table of those things. And his people now are like heavily like, you know, coming back being like, that's fucked up that you're saying that. And that it's is, like, that it, is, but it makes sense though, right? Because if you, how do you deal with someone who's telling something you don't want them to do? You, you discredit them. And, and that's, always the way of the government is they dig into your past they find something and they demonize you in some way and i get and i believe that is what they're doing exactly however it is you yeah, know it, that's just, why i'm never it, running for governor dude i don't want anyone to know i have a weird throw pillow feather show oh, oh well now i guess it's i text, guess i could run for governor now it's textbook journalism <laughs> i guess is my only point yeah no I'm you know what you. i mean and, but like but don't get me wrong i don't think that discredits him but uh I don't know. I, I still found myself being like, <sighs> like I got too excited about it because like, like I said, he really didn't, he, he said quite a lot of well, things. You just, you expected more. I expected him to be more like, be like, I don't know, to not be so tiptoey, but you're right. You know what I mean? I'm sure he was warned. I'm sure he was, you know, it's still I just, yeah, dude, I think it'd be wishful thinking to think this guy would come out and say everything. And I, I don't know. It's just kind of cool that there's even having these hearings because yes. Yeah. Yeah. My dad who uh, worked, he actually was a MUFON investigator. Uh, he loved all this stuff and he died before he got to see any of this. So every time some big alien disclosure or news comes out, I'm always thinking, yeah, now we got to actually see an alien in my lifetime. Cause my dad got missed it. So I got to see it. And, and it. and I believe by now every human on earth has seen the Tic Tac video in the go fast. Well, yeah, because I mean, he, what, I think ancient aliens, I think unidentified, I think like every every freaking show that's on the History Channel or some sci-fi channel has done, you know, a clip of it now. But I'd like to see the really clear one that you were talking about. It, me too. And, and that's another, like, I love this topic, but it also kind of ticks me off because I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm so impatient for real disclosure i'm so impatient for to really know what's happening well you know it'll probably happen in our lifetime if it keeps happening at the rate that it is happening if disclosure continues at this rate we will we will know the truth in our lifetime yep and uh so i mean that's what i gotta say about this uh uh, thank you david grush for really putting your freaking whole life out there because you know that like you said that's what happens when you disclose these kind of things yeah, you get they're put gonna, on blast. They're gonna look through everything. Yeah, so like you put your life on blast. Hope you didn't like wearing a dress, buddy. And, and it's <laughs> what does he have to gain from this? Uh, I it wasn't mentioned in the report, but I listened to interviews with him afterwards where he was saying he literally, at the in order to do this disclosure, he had to give up his career, and he was literally like three years away from retirement. Well, it seems like he should have just waited for retirement. I, I agree, <laughs> but. That, He's saying that's how passionate he is. So that's it. So that goes on. If you, you know, I'd say do your research, listen to this guy. He seems 
you know, a little frantic, but I think anybody who's got this much information to spill is probably going to act a little crazy, a little nervous. He seems a little out there, but which one of us who are into this shit isn't? So, uh, thank you, David Grush. I appreciate it. But like I said, I can't help but still have a shred of skepticism, just a shred. <laughs> I, I can't help it because. No, like, no, I'm totally with you. I'm just. And you know, I believe in aliens. You know, I believe in reverse engineer. I believe in all that shit. I just. Do I think this is our golden child of disclosure? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, let's find, let's move on to our next segment. Are you ready, Ryan? I'm ready. <laughs> Hold on. What was that? That is not what. Okay. I want to. I want all of you to know that that's labeled as too hard. <laughs> so hard. I don't know what that means. It's. It's literally. T O O H A R D. It's it would, too it would, hard. It would make sure. It would make sense if it was like Beavis, like a. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right. Anyways, next segment. Remember that guy. Remember that gal. Well, now they're dead. Shane McGowan, lead singer of the Pogues, dead at 65. The legendary hard-drinking frontman of the Irish punk folk band, the Pogues died early Thursday, his family announced he was 65. The fairy tale of New York songwriter died at 3 a.m. with his wife and family by his side, his band announced online. Okay, well, good. You know, if you're going to die, have your family around. And it seemed like he was in a good good place in the end. Good. Uh, I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to say it. His wife, Victoria Mary Clark, also wrote on Instagram, There's no way to describe the loss that I am feeling and the longing for just one more of his smiles that lit up my world. Uh, the love of my life and the most beautiful soul and beautiful angel. Some of them... Oh, my goodness, I jumped to a different... Wrong a, page, people! A, a, a cause of death was not immediately clear on Thursday, but McGowan, known for his heavy boozing and drug use as well as his mouthful of rotten teeth, had suffered. Mouthful of rotten teeth gotta suck, man. Just get them pulled, man. Well, get I'm, some dentures. I'm serious, though. My teeth hurt like when I have a cavity. I can't imagine having a mouthful of rotten teeth. Jesus. I hope that was a little bit of like a little bit of a show and not real. That That's horrible. I had to get a root canal once. That thing was dead. Oh, man, that shit sucked. Ugh. All right. Sorry. The teeth thing bothered me more than the like drug use. <laughs> no, no, you're right. No, take Brush your teeth, folks. <laughs> uh, he received treatment in December 2022 for viral encephalitis, an wow. enlargement of the brain, and oh, spent Jesus. more time in the intensive care unit over the summer. Uh, McGowan, who had been in a wheelchair since 2015, was back in the hospital earlier this month for an unknown condition. He was only discharged last week. Uh, born in Kent, England, on Christmas Day, 1957, Oh, man, you'd have to share your birthday with Jesus? No one would ever remember you. Maybe that's why he was so pissed off. Oh, that, see, <laughs> you know, that, that's what caused a life of drinking and drug use, is this fucking Santa stealing my thunder. Not even worried about Jesus. Fucking Santa. Dude, he had to get screwed on gifts. There's no way you don't get screwed on getting presents if your birthday is on Christmas. I know. Ugh. Dude, 
Dude, fuck being a parent whose kid, like, I would not want my kid born on a holiday. Like, no. That'd be rough. There was one exception as I went to elementary school with a girl named Madison. Don't ask me why I remember her name. <laughs> Beyond the fact that her birthday was on the 4th of July. And I was so jealous because it's like, you get fireworks every year. I would lie to my kid up until age like six and be like, this is all for you. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Right. Uh, he, uh, he demonstrated his storytelling abilities from a young age. He won a daily mirror literary prize when he was just 13. That's intense. And earned a scholarship to Westminster school in London for his essays. <laughs> I didn't last there very long. McGowan told the guardian in 2013, I got nicked for smoking a joint and was kicked out. Oh, yeah. That, that, sounds, that sounds like that's this guy all the way. That checks all the boxes. Yeah. Uh, with his music, McGowan sought to bring the power of the Irish folk music to the rock scene as he drew from literature, mythology, and the Bible. We just wanted to shove music that had roots and is just generally stronger and has more real anger and emotion down the throats of completely pap oriented pop audience he told nme in 1983 as the band was getting off the ground yeah that's a really punk stance at everything that's what i loved about them they're they're a very different like irish you know, punk irish kind of band yeah so a, a little bit of floggy molly a little bit of dropkick murphys but like just real gritty and almost like just a slab of nirvana in like the grunginess of his voice he had a very grungy voice like he didn't like he it was true punk like he didn't he wasn't trying to sound pretty. He was trying to send a message. Nice. Uh, he frequently wrote about the Irish culture and nationalism, as well as the experiences of the Irish diaspora, including his support of the Irish Republican Army. <laughs> he supported the IRA. I was ashamed I didn't have the guts to join the IRA, and the Pogues was my way of overcoming that. McGowan admitted... In uh, Julian Temple's 2020 documentary, Crack of Gold, A Few Rounds with Shane McGowan. Uh, he was celebrated by many of his peers as one of the greatest songwriters of his generation. But he was also known for his heavy boozing, often leaving him stumbling and slurring his words at shows. He was ultimately fired from the band he helped form in 1991 after failing to turn up for live shows during a tour of Japan. By the end of it, I hated every second of it, he told the Telegraph in 1997. They'd moved so far away from what we were doing in the first place. I didn't like what we were playing anymore. Oh, that sucks, man. When you get disillusioned by your own work, right? You're successful, so you have expectations. People have expectations of you, but you just don't care anymore. You're just over it. That sucks. And we've seen that shit happen. I mean, uh, yeah. it's... Ugh. Call, you know, people get chewed up and eaten out by the business. Other people in a band or in a group, whatever it may be, they change. And sometimes you don't change with the people you're working with. And suddenly your ideology or just how you feel about things just doesn't line up anymore. Do preach. Do that shit. Yeah. I've been in many bands, many, many bands. Uh, I refuse to uh, knuckle under and become professional. I love that. I refuse to knuckle under and become professional. Knuckle I will not be... under. I've never heard knuckle under. Yeah, he, he, like I said, he was born in London and uh, praised the Irish culture. So I'm sure there's a lot of idioms we have no idea. Sure. Uh, this was uh, in 2000. Uh, Sinead O'Connor reported McGowan. Sinead O'Connor. Thank you. 
Yeah. Sinead O'Connor was a singer and she was on SNL in the late 90s. She like ripped the picture of the Pope and got in trouble for it. The one with oh, the shaved head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Sinead O'Connor. She just passed away uh, not that long ago, too. I, I was unaware of that. Oh, no, no. I think I did hear that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because yeah, although that video went back around. Of and, her and, ripping the Pope picture. Right, and, and it's so nice that at least now everybody understands why she did it. Yeah, it makes a little bit more sense, for sure. Because, yeah, she didn't really explain it. Well, <laughs> at the time, yeah, she was trying to make a different kind of point. But, yeah, all right, Sinead O'Connor, continue, please. Thank you. Uh, reported that McGowan to the police for heroin possession, hoping to discourage him from using it. Well, that's a good friend, honestly. That's a good friend. That's a tough friend, right? Because you can't help but be mad at the person who turns you in, but then it's like, ultimately, hopefully, it's like you understand why. Well, unfortunately, in today's day and age, I think a lot of people know somebody who fucked up, and and it's like, you know... I know two people who died of heroin that we used to hang out with, so yeah. That's right, and and, uh, you know, sometimes you got to get them help one way or the other, and, you know, do something. Do something. Well, she tried to do something. Uh, despite his initial fury, McGowan would express his gratitude to O'Connor in later years for helping him get off the drug. He then rejoined the Pogues for a reunion in 2001, which lasted until 2014. Good for him. Yeah, it is nice. Everybody likes a comeback. Yeah, dude. I'm I'm so that, that's that's I didn't know that part of this story because I I was just a fan of their music. I've listened to their music, but I never really did any dives on it. Sure. Uh, for his work, McGowan earned the Ivor Novello Songwriting Inspiration Award in 2018 following five Pogues albums and solo releases. McGowan is survived by his wife, Clark, whom he married in 2018. It's kind of weird to specify uh, that. I was going to say, that was... That was that long ago, but more, more importantly, why? Takes it away why did, yeah, exactly. Why did you specify that? I feel like I it would, would be better to be I was, like. I was hoping they were like in love for forever. like thirty years. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh like, no, this chick oh. who really wants his money. I mean, his new wife. <laughs> his sister Saban and his father Maurice. R.I.P. Dude, to- I I love your music. I I it's become a staple of my. Uh, Irish music uh, guilty pleasures. Yeah, you say it's one of your St. Patrick's Day's go-to when oh, you're yeah. jamming to all the... Like oh, I mentioned, yeah. Floggy Molly, Dropkick Murphys. Now we got the Pogues. Well, you got... If you, now you've had the Pogues. I am going to listen. I'm going to do a deep dive on these music. Bro, it, it's if you want to listen to an Irish, some Irish music that doesn't give a fuck, the Pogues. The Pogues. I can't think of a better, uh, a better send-off than that. All right. You will be missed, bud. He will. He will. That bummed me out. Uh, that's why I had, I'm had. i glad we were able to cover that this week. Uh, he just passed uh, a few days ago. All right, moving on. I think it's time for... Earthling Entertainment Headlines. David Zaslav says, Canning, Batgirl, was necessary. This comes to us from Collider. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Batgirl was a movie that was going to come out. Michael Keaton was going to play Batman again, and it was going to be a straight-to-HBO Max movie. And yeah, just like, you know, Blue Beetle, except Blue Beetle got released into theaters, and Batgirl got shelved, which means we will never see it, which means there is a complete movie. They shot it. They did special effects. It's complete. It cost a a lot of money. And it's just gone. And I'm sad about it uh, because... Brendan Fraser played the bad guy. Yeah, he played Firefly. And that ticks me off. Like, anytime we're robbed of a Brendan Fraser role now, I'm like, God damn it. 
I know. All right, jump into the article, bud. Last year, David Zaslav uh, famously uh, decided to shelve Batgirl before audiences could have a chance to experience it, using it as a tax write-off. Boo. Now, more than a year after the decision that rocked the industry, the executive has indicated that he still believes he made the right move. Well, yeah, you, you already... I mean, it's good to, if you're going to... You've already take, cashed it in. Yeah, well, it's good if you take a dump to stand by it. I mean, he doesn't have a choice. Like I said, he cashed it into the government or whatever for taxes. Bullshit. <laughs> Sorry, I have, I have feelings. Uh, during this year's edition of the Deal Book Summit uh, via The Verge, Zaslav explained his thought process. What content is going to help us win? The content that wasn't, we made a strategic decision on. It was difficult and it was painful. But I think it was the right decision for the company and it was necessary. You know what I think, Zaslav? I think a right decision for the company would be to, I don't know, make a good movie. All right, so hear, hear me <laughs> out here. David Zaslav, is, he's the head of Discovery. Now, Discovery recently purchased Warner Brothers, and now that's why all these things have happened is he's he's running Warner Brothers. And to be fair, Warner Brothers was not doing great before he came in. They're, uh, the president before him was the one who made the stupid decision to release all of the 2020 movies to HBO Max as well as theaters, same-date release, and that cost them that cost them millions upon millions of dollars and it broke relationships. Like Christopher Nolan said, I went to sleep working for one of the best studios in the world and I woke up making a TV movie. He was so pissed when they released Tenet out on, uh, on HBO Max. So pissed that every movie he's done has been Warner Brothers. You know what he did? Fuck you. He moved to Universal. Oppenheimer, his new movie, is Universal. And it's, that did very well. I'm just saying, all of this is because of the last president of Warner Brothers. So, to be fair, David Zavslav came in and was just, you know, I'm not saying all of his decisions are great, and I really don't agree with the Batgirl one, but, I mean, he's trying. he was trying to write a ship that was headed in, I don't want to say a sinking ship, because Warner Brothers was okay, but they were making some bad decisions. They got to bring back the frog. <laughs> the I'm WB say, frog? I'm saying you bring that motherfucker back, we will all... We will come to theater. I they should be opening I liked it. the WB Frog. Didn't people get mad because they thought it was racist? How? I don't know, man. He's they, a frog. This, they did the same <laughs> thing. They did the same thing with the Taco Bell dog. At no I mean, point. That made sense, at least, I guess, sort of, because it was totally a Mexican dog, but it's like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, I, think my I, I, I think people were afraid it was uh, making fun of the African American community. I don't even understand. It was like a vaudeville. Yeah, but I'm not the one making this argument <laughs> i am all right i want the wp they need to bring back the frog there's a, there's a reason you're failing anyways let's it's a WB. leslie grace was supposed to star leslie grace as the titular hero in the movie made for streaming introducing a new version of the character popular across media based on the DC comics. Uh, Barbara Gordon felt inspired by Batman's crusade against the criminals of Gotham City, taking on a mantle of her own that would allow her to fight back against her city's most violent criminals. Even if her father, Commissioner James Gordon, played by J.K. Simmons, uh, would have never approved of her life as a vigilante. The threat of Firefly, Daddy Brendan Fraser was still out there 
And someone had to stop him. I do really love me some Brendan Fraser. Bro, I'm so bummed we I didn't think get he's to in, see uh... him be Firefly. I know, that would have been cool. But, you know, if you want to see Brendan Fraser in a fun superhero thing, watch Doom Patrol. He's really good in that. Oh, I'm going to check that out now. I don't even know. Uh, for his work, McGowan earned the Ivor Novello Songwriting Inspiration Award. Oh, You skipped uh, to the wrong oh one. No. Look, we're talking no. about Batgirl, man. No. With Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. There it we could go. be there easily assumed that the movie would have taken place in the current iteration of the DC Extended Universe. But the fact that Michael Keaton would appeared as an older version of Batman could mean that the Batgirl was actually tied to the events of this summer's The Flash. Which makes sense, because, you know, The Flash makes multiple universes. Towards the end, you get to see a bunch of them. So it would be kind of cool if this had all worked out properly. If one of those universes he was looking on had Batgirl, and then we got the whole movie of Batgirl in that different universe. If that was their plan, which I don't know if it was, that would have that been cool. Uh, it would have been cool. I, like, And I, I'm terrible. I still haven't seen The Flash, but I, I watch TikTok, so that means I've seen every cool scene. Like everybody, like uh, video caps, like all the best scenes. Like I, like I don't even need to see like the Spider-Man movie with spoiler alert, the three Spider-Mans in it because I've I, seen I, every scene. Yeah, <laughs> as a filmmaker, this hurts me deeply, and I hate you for it. It's so true. <laughs> I'm just seeing all these new movies like in in freaking scenes. Anyways, no, no, you need to see full movies. I or, know. Yeah. Yeah, that's this is. I, I do watch full. I, I want to commit violence towards you because that's of good. the statements. Good. <laughs> Good. Your training is almost complete. Strike me down and join your place at my side. Yeah, that's pretty Dar-wise. good. Darwise. <laughs> of course. This is all the speculation at this point, given how DC is moving away from this particular cinematic universe. Warner Brothers attempted to do the same thing to Coyote versus Acme. Oh, yeah. My, my sister uh, and my nephew, they... My nephew's been, he's like three, and he's like, oh my god, Coyote versus Acme, Coyote versus Acme. He was all about it. And I had to tell my sister that they shelved the movie. I know, I heard about this. Yeah, but this is, apparently they retroactively fixed it. Continue. Uh, An animation and live-action hybrid, kind of like, what, Space Jam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Featuring the characters of the Looney Tunes franchise. Following the enormous outrage the decision caused within the industry and in the public eye, the film was allowed to be shot to another distributor. So basically it will come out, it which is great. Out. My nephew will be happy. Mimi, in my opinion, standing by your piece of crap would have been releasing it, not tax writing it off and then coming back being like, I stand by my decision. Well, of course, you got your money back. Yeah, well, he kind of had to do that. Anyways, um, I do. I agree with you, though. I don't. I wish it wasn't shelved because, you know. I'm sorry, they make bad movies all the time. Why is this bad movie going to break the... Are you afraid this bad movie would have destroyed the DC universe? Because let me tell you, every DC movie that's come out over the last three years has flopped. And if you don't believe me, go online and Google the numbers. They've all flopped, man. And I think they underestimated... Hold on, let me say, except for Joker and the Batman. I mean, let me say the DCU stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, me like, like, like aforementioned, I'm a huge Brendan Fraser fan. I really think that they underestimated the uproar of support he has right now. Like, he's got so much support from his fans that I think this film would have done... Everybody would have watched it just to see him. And I don't know if that's true, but he definitely would have helped. Because I, th- this would have come out before The Whale, I think. So I don't know if he would have had as much of a 
uh, renaissance as you're referring to. But whatever. Unfortunately, we will probably never see this movie unless you end up working for Warner Brothers and you get to go and do a shelf or a hard drive and check it out. And but, you're finished watching and you turn around and there he is, like with a baseball bat. Yeah, like, someone cocks a gun. Now you never leave. Like, <laughs> you will never tell anyone. All right, let's go on to headline number two. Ryan, take it away. I'm going to take a number two. Aha! Headline number two. Netflix spent $55 million plus on a sci-fi show that never finished. Wah, uh, wah. Yeah, that sucks. This also comes to us. Hold on, I'm going to hit the button that says ouch. Damn. Netflix fucked up. They fucked up. Anyways, uh, why is this labeled "ouch"? I because it's so good it hurts. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Continue of Netflix comes from Screen Rant. Screen Rant, according to a new report, Netflix spent 55 million on a sci-fi show from filmmaker Carl Rinch, but behind-the-scenes trouble would derail the project. Released in 2013, the critically lambasted 47 Ronin marks Rinch's first big-budget feature film effort in Hollywood after a career in commercials. Okay, so I really liked 47 Ronin. I know, I know it flopped. Financially, it did not make any money. But it was a lot of fun. It was a fantasy. It was in Japanese. Uh, it was in Japanese. It was in Japan. It, it had the demons and the ghosts. And I'm sure, you know, it wasn't great. You know, I'm sure, I don't know. I really liked it. I just, I think... The tradition, the actual story of the 47 Ronin, which is a real legend, I don't think is as fantastic as the movie probably made it out to be. But it was kind of like 300 and actually what happened with the Greeks and the Spartans. So I don't know. And I thought Keanu was believable. Keanu! 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 <laughs> that was good. Which, uh, which stars uh, Keanu Reeves at the budgeted $175 million was a major bomb. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, you can't. Sp- Why can't you just do a movie for like fifty million? Why are you spending almost two hundred million for every damn movie now? I wonder how much Keanu was was worth at the time. I wonder. Dude, like, I don't. I think some. I don't. Even if it was twenty million, that's still like way more than you need to spend in that movie. I'll agree with you on that. But that. But like you said, that movie had a lot, lot in it. Like he was perhaps overly ambitious. Perhaps. But this is why we're talking about this filmmaker is because his next project was a disaster. An absolute dumpster fire, actually. A report from the New York Times now reveals what Rinch's follow-up was after 47 Ronin and just how catastrophically it fell apart. According to the report, Rinch <laughs> turned his attention to an original sci-fi show that would eventually become known as Conquest, which became a hot commodity in 2018. Netflix would pick up the project with an eight... <laughs> eight figure offer and the promise that Rinch would get the final cut. I mean, that seems like a weird offer to give someone whose last movie just flopped. I was about to say a little risky. Yeah. It seems like Netflix is making, or at least was making poor decisions. Maybe they deserve to lose 55 million. They're all sitting at that table. Whose idea was it to give that <laughs> Rinch guy the, there's a, there's a guy like me at the table. Like I liked it. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was really good. Keanu was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Oh, man. After the deal was made, however, the project would reportedly become plagued with behind-the-scenes issues and erratic behavior from Rinch, and not a single episode was delivered. Dude, that's pathetic. Yeah, that's rough. 
the initial interest in Rich's... Wait, hold on, though. Was there any footage? Because maybe we could put it together to make a documentary about how terrible it was. Who knows? Who knows how all that's going to work, if right? If Netflix was smart, they would do that If they, with any footage they may have. Right, if they own the rights to it? Yeah, we could be like, why this sucked? Yeah. By Netflix. <laughs> By us. Why we fucked up. The in- <laughs> Sorry. All right. The uh, the initial interest in Rich's show came at a time when streamers were spending more than ever to bolster their libraries and attract uh, subscribers. The NYT report reveals that Amazon was initially in line for the project, but Netflix swooped in at the last minute with a sweeter deal, agreeing to pay $61.2 million in installments for the rights. So they do have the rights. Yeah, well, Amazon must have not wanted it that bad because they spend a lot of money. They're the ones who spent, like, all the money on the Lord of the Rings stuff, so they must have been like, meh, you could have it. Just just throwing around money that I'll never see in my lifetime. The uh, organic intel- <laughs> the organic intelligent, OI, who are deployed as peacekeepers around the globe, when the OI's true mission is revealed, however, conflict erupts. Netflix gave Rinch almost complete creative and budgetary control over the show at a time when the creator was already embroiled in legal disputes with a different production company due to problems during the making of Conquest's Proof of Concept episodes. All right, so strap in, guys, because this keeps going. This is a deep rabbit hole with this guy. After the globe-trotting Netflix production began, things would quickly fall off the rails due to Rinch's reportedly erratic behavior. This behavior including espousing strange theories about COVID-19 and its origins. I mean, to be fair, I can kind of see that. Uh, Including claims that he discovered the coronavirus signal emanating from within the Earth. Okay, I I never went there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that he could predict lightning strikes. All right, see, I like that because it's like, all right, you know, he's a little, he's a little wacky, he's a little wack too. And I could predict lightning strike. All right, I am fun- raided. <laughs> yeah, right, he's Lord crazy. of Storms. It just feels like that's just the cherry on top, or it's just like, man, this guy's like making really gross ice cream, but I guess I'll have a bite now. I will poop on it. Okay, I'm uh, Thor. That's where we drop the line. Your Thor? Well, it hurts. <laughs> that was stupid. That, that's straight from Robin Williams as the genie. That was still stupid. I love it. Note, Rinch claims, per the NYT report, that he has been diagnosed with uh, autism and uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, both of which he takes medications for. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. I have ADD. Thought, thought that we were getting a signal of COVID from the ground. ADD. ADD, guys. Don't worry about it. Like, oh. Oh, uh, you thought. Back, yeah. Yeah, you thought that was weird. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Got AD, ADD, ADHD. You know, I got a little bit of that. Yeah, I take some pills for that. So uh, now I could predict storms. I'm not you making know. fun of people with ADD. I have ADD. That is ridiculous that he's using that as an excuse. That's Autism, what, That's maybe? what we're making fun of. Yeah, for, to be clear. <laughs> yeah, we are making fun of this guy because he is making obvious excuses, which are completely bullshit. That's what I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe in God. Anyways, uh, uh, other instances what of... What the fuck was that? That was from Tenacious D. Oh. It's like the hidden track at the very end oh, of the album. Yeah, they're doing the weird voice. I believe in God. Yep, they're baked. As, you can tell they're so high. And he's just like, do you believe in God? And Kate Rage Cage goes, I believe. I believe in God. 
All right, so guys, if you want to know about a secret track to an album that came out in 1998, there you go. Bro, T- Tenacious D, that tribute album, is still one of the best comedy albums of all time, period. Top three, definitely. No argument here. Other instances of Rinch's <sighs> reported erratic behavior during production includes conflicts with his wife, who is now seeking a divorce, including his claims that she tried to have him assassinated. Just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean there aren't people out to get me. Rinch was also the subject of complaints from the show's crew, and as Conquest missed more production milestones, Netflix pulled the plug in 2021. Rinch would reportedly then bet the remaining 11 million on cryptocurrencies. <laughs> Did he win? Using, <laughs> doesn't say. Using the profits to buy... A fleet of Rolls Royces. So I'm guessing he did. If oh, he got a fleet like, of Rolls Royces, yeah, he This guy just seems a little loopy, right? He's but like, apparently good with cryptocurrency. I guess when you got 11 million to toss around. Well, that's why I do believe he's autistic, man, because I have met people who are just super hyper-focused on a particular business or like someone, like my one buddy who is autistic, he's great at the stock market. He can just see things that I can't. I don't know. It is impressive. Definitely good. Def- definitely good. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard to have a conversation at times because he's literally focused as he's like looking at his phone and looking at the computer like as you're talking to him. It's one of those. Uh, Rinch is currently engaged in a legal dispute with Netflix, with the filmmaker claiming that the streamer contractually owes him 14 million. <laughs> on top of it, I gambled your money, but you know what? You guys owe me. <laughs> I hate to say it though, he might get it or at least a compens some kind of thing because. He technically did what the contract said. He went in there and he made this, even though it was terrible. Well, he never delivered an episode. So did he? He didn't make it. As long as that's in the wording. If they have it in the wording where it's like, you need to have at least so odd episodes to get paid. But he didn't deliver a single episode. But he did try. But it (laughs) it says in the contract, like, do your best. Like, all right, we got to have Gary quit writing these damn things. He's... He's a a, a new dad, and he's just really, really overly nice. Like, just like we're rooting for you, bud. Yeah. If you need, if you ever need money, just call. (laughs) I I appreciate you guys understanding. I've been doing my best over here. Name's Uh, Gary. (laughs) Gary. Gary. Oh my God. Let's move on to uh, headline. No, that guy's a dick. Let's move on to (laughs) headline number three. (laughs) History is made. Detroit opens America's first electric charging road. Yeah, this is one of the few times that we're going to cover a topic that is not spooky or entertainment, but it is it is historical and it's in our backyard. So. I was going to say, yeah, we're, we're Detroiters here, so uh, we're going to cover some of that. What up, doe? This comes to us from Click on Detroit. Detroit is now home to the first wireless charging roadway in the nation. Located on 14th Street near Michigan Central in Corktown. It looks like your average quarter-mile stretch of road, but it's much more than meets the eye. Below the surface... (laughs) Below the surface are inductive charging coils that can charge electric vehicles. This is where it matters to be in Detroit, to be where the automotive manufacturers are, to be where innovation can actually scale. Uh, said Electrion Vice President of Business Development, Stefan Tonger. 
this is a big moment for Electrion. Electrion is responsible for the technology uh, used on the road. Local 4 took a ride with Tunger in the electric vehicle to test out the wireless charging capabilities. So as this vehicle is driving, it has secondary coil underneath where we call a receiver. And it will allow you to get a charge from the primary coil underneath the ground to the secondary coil, the receiver, into the battery. So you actually do have to get something in your car, right? It's not all electric cars. Like It's like some kind of what they call a receiver that you have to attach to your car. They're going to have to make a deal with Electrion, probably. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So no wonder they're pushing for it. They're going to make millions. But like, yeah. All right. But but hypothetically, all Fords in the future that are electric come equipped with this. You know, yeah, that's that's a moneymaker. No, this is dope. This is the this is the future. Like I, I like you know you and I talked about it the other day. It'll probably be in another hundred years until we really adopt full on, you know, auto driving cars, electric cars. But I'm looking forward to it. It's going to save a lot of lives. I agree. Uh, charging can happen when vehicles are in motion or stationary. Electric vehicles must have a receiver yep, to, yeah. to activate the charge. The charging segments will not be in operation without the receiver. Yep, you were right. So, right. I mean, there's a catch to everything. I guess it would be because in my head, it was like those uh, those wireless phone charges where you just kind of lay your phone on top and it works. In my head, that's what it was, right? Like the car would just drive and it would just wirelessly charge. But not all phones can use that wireless charger, so they must have a receiver. So all this tracks. Yeah, I get How it. much you want to bet they'll have a fast charging version that's more expensive? <laughs> Probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, company officials said wireless roads are safe for all cars, pedestrians, and wildlife. I hope so. We'll see how many electrocuted was, squirrels we get. I was going to say, we just put it in. Let's see what happens. We've got a lot of crazy wildlife here in Detroit. Oh, man. What if it lets out this weird electrical buzz and it's kind of like the crazies where everyone in like a 10-mile radius just loses their shit and just start killing each other? They also did that in uh, The Kingsman. I'm just saying, like a fight. New Tattertales episode. Hot you. Hot you. <laughs> uh, it is an amazing step forward. So if you think about it, well, it's just a quarter mile of road. So it's not very not very far, people. This is just an experiment. Yeah, it's essentially an experiment, right? Because if you're driving, how long is a quarter mile? Like five seconds? Would you even register that it was charging at it's that like time? It's like you charge 1%. Uh, what we will learn is what's going to allow for expansion of that and think about the potential of being able to charge through the roads. Michigan Central CEO Josh Serefman said, Tunger said he hopes there will be wireless charging roadways for public use in just a few years. Yeah, that makes sense. Like we said, it's the future. It will take a little bit. And if it's not this, it'll be a different form. There'll probably be a rival company that'll come up with something and it'll be like Tesla and Edison again, except it'll be like this Tungla and then like, you know, Power Street. And they'll just, they'll, they'll come out of their two headquarters in the morning and they'll both just drink their coffee and just give each other the evil eye and then go off to business. Yeah, all the people who know how to fix shit are dicking around with electric roads. <laughs> They're all hanging out in space. Uh, all right. So, guys, uh, this has been a very long episode, so we're just going to jump right into our final headline. Ryan? All right. Iron Man's heroic sacrifice in Avengers Endgame will not be undone. Good. This, <laughs> good. This comes to us from Nerdist. Uh, there have been many rumors that the original roster of Earth's Mightiest Heroes 
will all return in Avengers Secret Wars. And yes, that would presumably include Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Tony Stark. But via variety... One can presume. We've learned that in a recent story on Downey for Vanity Fair, Marvel Studios' head, Kevin Feige, said that there are no plans to bring Tony Stark back from the grave. Iron Man's heroic death in Avengers Endgame, in which he saved the universe from Thanos, was just too important to undo. Here's what Feige had to say. We are going to keep that moment and not touch that moment again. We all worked very hard for many years to get to that, and we would never want to magically undo it in any way. Marvel Studios. I do agree with that, right? Like, it was the common... At that point, it was, like, 25 or, like, 22 films. It's a combination of so many. Like, you know how you think that uh, James Bond has a lot of movies? Up uh, all the way to Endgame, just just the same amount of movies. So many. Yeah, so many. Uh, And and we all know this. Robert Downey killed it. Like, he is Tony Stark. It's true. (laughs) Saved his career, let's be honest, man, because he had some uh, troubles in the late 90s, early 2000s, and, you know, he slowly got back to, you know the star he is today and he earned it. So good for him. He's very inspiring, honestly. Yeah, dude, we all can mess up in life. That does not mean you can't bounce back. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. Okay. You can always turn it around. You take accountability for what you've done wrong. You are allowed to move on. Yeah. And there's you. why beat yourself up forever? It doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't help anything. And it definitely doesn't erase whatever you did that you're dwelling on. That's right. Uh, So it seems like the MCU creative powers that will never use magic or nanotech to revive Tony's corpse for a future film. This is a choice which we all, of course, applaud. However, we must point out that Feige very carefully worded that response. It's safe to say we could take Feige at his word, and the MCU won't resurrect Tony Stark that we knew and loved in the 11 films. Yeah, but we've seen characters look different in different universes. Like, Loki shows a perfect example with all his variants. So we could very easily have another Iron Man and Tony Stark show up from a different universe. And is that the same thing? Does that is that what he's talking about when he says he won't bring him back? You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's time for Alligator Iron Man. It's, a, it's so time. Dude. Uh, Iron Man's death will not change. But that does not mean we are never seeing Robert Downey Jr. play him again. Okay, well, I guess flashbacks, right? That's where I was going to bring up after after when we discussed here. I mean, they could de-age him if there's like a scene that takes place. I, I could totally see the scene right now. I'll say it at the end here. I got well, one last paragraph here. Uh, right now, we are in the middle of the MCU's multiverse saga. And we would want to be generally genuinely shocked if we did not encounter a multiversal variant of Tony in Secret Wars. And for that matter, a variant of Natasha Romanoff. I I do find it hard to believe because Scarlett Johansson is very uh, still a young woman and still a young actress, why they killed her off and they're just like, I mean, she must not want to come back if that's that's permanent because I just I never understood that. Everyone loved her. She was, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, but she was the cute fucking girl on the team. Why get rid of her? She's a babe, swing, uh, and and they and they did Endgame before Black Widow. 
Yeah, that's a weird, that was a, definitely a weird choice because obviously Black Widow takes place at some point before Endgame. I had to like look up the exact timeline. It's a little vague, but there's about four movies that it could take place between. And, but the only thing that's for sure is definitely after, uh, before, in, uh, not in, in game, Infinity War. And, and no, I really, in game. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. And, and I really thought that that movie, like, obviously there's a lot of problems with her contract and all that stuff. Uh, and I understand that. You're talking about the Black Widow movie? Yeah. And, I liked the movie. I thought it was great. And I think that they, uh, they screwed her over on promotion because they were all jaded about the whole lawsuit thing. Well, they screwed her over because she was in her contract. She makes X amount of money due to box office. And because they released on Disney Plus and basically she was guaranteed to not make that money. So she could prove legally, mathematically, that she lost X amount of money because of their decision to put it on day and date release. Also, I do think there was something in the contract being like, this will be a theatrical film. Yes. So they were in breach of contract. So I do agree with her. Yeah. I mean, and honestly... I, like what they broke the contract like why I, everyone I, I remember were getting mad at her like oh she's just greedy or she just wants more money be like dude there was a, an agreement made someone broke the agreement don't you want people who break agreements to be held responsible otherwise what's the point of any agreement you make in the future like it, it's not about Scarlett Johansson it's about holding a big business accountable for an agreement that they made I think this was another victim of COVID too. They were really using uh, their fear of people not going out That's after, absolutely after, right. after COVID as an, as an excuse, as a reason to break contract on her. And they were really, it was really shady. And there was a lot of things like this during that time. It was, it, it, you know, well, it's like what I was know. talking about with all the movies on HBO getting released day and date release for 2020. That was a whole roster of film, a whole year's worth of Warner brothers films that just got dumped on TV. Yeah, uh, uh, here we go. It says here, with Secret Wars likely capping off 20 years of the MCU, it's hard to imagine no Tony Stark involvement in that. Regardless of what Kevin Feige said, don't count out seeing Iron Man again. He just won't exactly be the one you remember because that guy is staying dead for sure. Yeah, okay, so the article's saying pretty much what I said. We're either going to get some variant of him or like you suggested, it'll be a flashback. I think actually what I was thinking is it would be a time back. I a think they would they, they would like go, you know cuz they can travel time now. So I, I, know, I but is that not I mean I guess it's not undoing the death but it's kind of Exactly. Ugh, you can go back oh, and visit him. That's but rough. but of course know. they wouldn't tell they, I have this feeling that this is how I see the scene. They come back and he's like Oh, so you're from the future, huh? Like like cuz you know how he'd be like a smart ass, he'd call them right out. He he would kind of figure it out. He'd be like so my guess is you're here for uh, I must not be around. Like I can see the yeah, conversation. Like, oh shit! If you come to and me, he'll be like, then, yeah, and I can right, see I him getting serious and being like, "Don't fucking tell me anything." Yeah, like I, I don't want to know. I don't know what yeah. year you're from. I don't want to know nothing. I could see that. That's the so that's where my brain goes. Is they in desperation try to go back and maybe just have a consultant with him, like maybe not to necessarily warn him about the future, but to just consoling him on a problem that they're having. That they're like, fuck, I wish Tony were here. And they're like, well, he could be. <laughs> well, I could be. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's really no holding you back when you, you can do that. I agree. All right, guys. Uh, you know what? That's our final headline. And this was an extra long show today. So I, I hope you liked it. I know I did. That was a lot of fun, Joe, dude. This is sweet. 
Well, you know what I mean? It's like I do the show notes every week and uh, we came up with some good stuff. But when Ryan said he wanted to do his disclosure discussion, I was I was all for it. Uh, and it, that's why it was such an extra long show. Is like we, he went, I, Ryan went all for it. You did good, bud. That was awesome. Yeah. That was a deep dive to say the least. I appreciate it. Uh, I promise to, yeah, like I said, I'm sticking it to the facts and I'm going to try to cover everything that's unfolded. Next week, I'll probably cover, it's an old one, but I want to cover the initial report that the government gave us. Remember that? It was a couple years ago where they like re- released this, this multi- seven page report. I would like to go over that. Hey man, I'm done. I'm down. So do that. And that, so we'll say that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. Maybe not next weekend, but perhaps next weekend, but either way, it'll come up in a few weeks. And, uh, yeah. So from us here at, uh, earthling entertainment, thanks for listening. Thank you. Make sure to check us out every Tuesday afternoon. Our show comes out around, uh, no later than four o'clock, no earlier than two o'clock, uh, Eastern Standard Time. And thank you very much. Watch uh, or listen to Tatter Tales on anywhere you get your podcasts. That's where our other show. It's an anthology show of spooky stories or creepy or sci-fi or fantasy. It's a lot of fun if you like a Twilight Zone type show. It is. And uh, I get to perform in it sometimes. Make sure you uh, subscribe, download those episodes. Do us a favor. Subscribe to Earthling Entertainment. Download our episodes on spotify or apple music whatever it is you do uh we really appreciate the support if you don't got any of those we're on youtube that's true and also uh audible if you have an audible subscription yeah, audible. You can, yeah you can listen to us there PC. but it, it, it we this is important though download the episodes i don't ask me why but pe- that is how we can get help you know what i mean that's that's the supporting the show that's that's the way is download the episodes it's the uh, only way we can reach all the other earthlings man from all of us from Earthling Entertainment. Goodbye. We come in violence. And we bring pieces of candy. And cookies. And heroin. <gasps> well, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>